Welcome to the Empire State Railway Museum. Uh, we've been here since 1983, but we have a history that's much longer and uh, quite a bit interesting. That was Tom Comito, our tour guide and curator at the Empire State Railway Museum in Phoenicia, New York. This is Cat's Cast. Join us as we step back through time and see what life was like in an early 20th century Catskills train station. The Empire State Railway Museum can be found along the 52-mile Catskill Mountains Scenic Byway, following New York State Route 28 through the heart of the central Catskills. For maps, itineraries, and links to area restaurants, shops, and accommodations, visit scenickatskills.com. CatsCast is also sponsored by Hanford Mills Museum. Explore the power of the past as you watch the water wheel bring a working sawmill to life. Bring a picnic to enjoy by the mill pond. For more information about scheduling a tour or about their new exploration days, visit HanfordMills.org or call 607-278-5744. Well, come on in. There are a number of uh, UND stations that are still in existence. Uh, another great example of a restored station is in Haynes Falls. Uh, on the branch line that went to the mountaintop, and that's uh, owned and maintained by the Mountaintop Historical Society. And it's very similar in, to, to this when you get into all the wainscoting, uh, dark wood and whatnot. So this is the waiting room. It's very typical of a small town railroad station at the turn of the century. All of the uh, photographs and artwork that you see on the walls here are all related to this railroad, uh, railroads of the uh, Catskill Mountains and the uh, Hudson Valley region. The Ulster and Delaware Railroad was particularly well-documented, thanks in large part to rail fan photography, a popular hobby in the 1930s and 40s. The Phoenicia Station was a prime location for pursuing that pastime. There were a number of photographers nationally. One of them, Gerald M. Best, was an original member of the Empire State Railroad Museum. He was nationally known as a historian and photographer, and he produced what I'll call the seminal book. There's been a number done, but his was the first one. He published in 1972, uh, A Railroad to the Catskills, the story of the Ulster in Delaware. It sold thousands of copies, and it really is what put the railroad on the map nationally. And the other thing is, is that the railroad had a particular charm and um, it penetrated the uh, Catskill Mountain railroads entirely. There were railroads around the periphery of the Catskill Mountains, but the UND was the only one that actually cut across it completely. So the railroad becomes photographed and documented all out of proportion to its length. It had a charm and it was easy to get to by the rail fan photographers that really were centered around the New York metropolitan area. UND was a railroad that was begun in 1868 under the name Rondout and Oswego. Why Oswego? Because after the Civil War in the era in this country uh, called the Railroad Fever Era, where every town wanted a railroad, there was this belief that uh, Oswego would become the great port city of the lakes. It didn't turn out that way. So the name was changed to Rondout and Syracuse. That lasted about six months. And then the railroad reorganized and got realistic and saw its western terminus as Oneonta. The original length of the railroad, when it was finally completed in 1901, was 109 miles from Kingston to Oneonta. But what happens in the meantime 
is the hotel industry really flourishes. Many of those hotel tourists found themselves right here at the Phoenicia Station, the central hub for a connection to the Northern Catskills and its grand hotels. Tom showed us around the waiting room. If you were waiting for you know, a passenger to come in on a train, or you were waiting for a train to take out, bought your ticket at the window, waited for your train and away you went. We have a few artifacts here. Uh, there's an old Lincoln pin coupler uh, assembly. That's before the automatic coupler came into widespread use at the turn of the last century. Cost a lot of arms and legs and uh, fingers of the old brakeman. Uh, this bell, the whistle, the headlights, the marker lights, all part of a steam engine that's undergoing uh, cosmetic restoration in the car barn. Tom showed us to that barn adjacent to the museum with that massive steam engine in residence. Last steam engine ran past here in February of uh, 1949. That was the last steam run on the Ulster in Delaware. This was purchased at an auction by two guys, one of them still very much involved here, Earl Pardini. The other one was Kent Reeves, who lived in Boyceville, and he was one of the founders, one of the people who brought the museum here. And they learned that this equipment was being auctioned off, and they went out there late 1983 or 84, and they bought this for $10,000. And Earl, who was at the time a locomotive engineer for Conrail, had the connections and got this thing shipped by rail all the way from Michigan to Cornell Street Yard in Kingston, where they began the process of uh, taking it apart and labeling it because they wanted to restore it to operating condition. Very hard to keep these things running. The dream was that they would restore this to operating condition. It didn't come true. In 2016, the Catskill Mountain Railroad had to vacate the Cornell Street Yard in Kingston that was owned by the city of Kingston. And this engine had to come here because it's owned by the museum and always was. And we were able to move it because we got a gift from the estate of Dick Wilhelm, who was a former museum president. And uh, it cost us $16,000 to move this thing from Cornell Street Yard in Kingston to here. And there are about four or five of these engines of the same class that also are in existence in the United States. But steam engines today, because of their nature, the, you don't run them indefinitely. Uh, you get them restored over a long period of time, and uh, you pass all your uh, inspections with the federal government because they operate under very high pressure. They generate steam very rapidly, and uh, within a couple of years, they have to go through the whole rebuilding process again, and there's just not enough money to do it. With that prohibitively expensive functional restoration off the table, Museum volunteers are moving ahead with a slow but steady cosmetic restoration so future visitors can see firsthand the grandeur of this mammoth engine. Back in the museum, we continued our tour through Catskills Railroad history. This window right here was the baggage section. And if you were expecting a package, all parcel shipments went by Railway Express. Railway Express was the uh, UPS of the day, the FedEx of the day. And you would come to the window here and, uh, you know, for receiving your uh, shipment or making arrangements to uh, ship something out. And you'll notice that this is all like an old bank because it was all cash back then. So that's where the baggage man was. We step in here 
This was the ticket agent's office. And this is where the business of the railroad was conducted. The railroad, well up into the 1920s, operated by telegraph. And uh, that's how the communication was. The signal would go out from the main dispatcher in uh, Kingston, and he would want to send an order, a train order. He called it a track warrant. It gave the uh, conductor and the engineer the right to the track. It eliminated what we used to call cornfield meets, in other words, head-on collisions in the middle of the cornfield. They would begin the transmission by two letters, and um, every station had a call letter. Finish was PA. The telegraph message would begin with PA, copy order 19. Order 19 is a form, and the dispatcher would transmit it, Morse code. The operator would copy it. He would send it back to be confirmed. It would be copied on what they called flimsies, which were carbon paper, uh, and um, that would be handed up to the train crew. It sounded like this. We do this, it gets a lot of attention from our visitors. We tell them it was the texting of the day. This uh, diorama here was made by a, uh, a member, and it's a very accurate depiction of what it looked like out this bay window at the peak of railroad activity about 1910. The peak year for the Ulster and Delaware Railroad was 1913. Approximately 615,000 tickets were sold that year, passenger fares. Not every one of those embarked or disembarked at this station, but the majority of them at least passed through here on trains. This station itself, during those years, was the busiest station on the railroad west of Kingston. Walking through this old station transports you to another time. The pristine woodwork, original artifacts, even the boomy acoustics set the stage for a brief time travel through a station that's largely unchanged from its bustling past a century ago. Pretty much exactly. The sink is original. Uh, I believe the clock is. All of the woodwork. This heat register is original. There was a, there's an old coal furnace. It's still down in the basement there. It would uh, fire it with coal and the heat would come up, you know, by convection. It worked, but it wasn't uh, hardly uh, what we consider to be central heat today. Looking down onto that diorama, a meticulous three-dimensional model town, complete with this station, trains and tracks, and nearby Phoenicia buildings, you start to get a sense of the important role this place served in getting passengers and cargo to, from, and within the Catskills for so many decades. Tom pointed out one of the miniature trains on the table. This is a passenger train here. It stopped at the station. It's going to pick up passengers. It's going to head to uh, Kingston, where they will change trains and either go down to uh, Weehawken and across to New York City, or they may go up to Albany. And from there, they'll get on a train and head west, anywhere west. This particular arrangement here is called a transfer system. What would happen is standard gauge boxcars, railroad cars would come in off of the U&D, and they would move them onto this transfer apparatus here. And the wheel sets, which are called trucks, would drop out and the horse would pull the car on this cradle and three-foot gauge wheel sets would be put in place, and these standard gauge freight cars would then waddle and oscillate 
because the center of gravity changed uh, up to the mountaintop where they would be offloaded or deliver their freight and then back down. That narrow gauge line built by the UND in the late 19th century enabled train travel up through the Stony Clove Notch toward Hunter and Tannersville. In 1883, UND creates a subsidiary, uh, the Stony Clove and Catskill Mountain Railroad, and they build a narrow gauge, three feet between the rails, standard gauge is uh, four foot eight and a half, and it branches off right up here, it crosses the Esopus at Bridge Street, and it heads up parallel to Route 214. And it goes up through the notch, and uh, it divides on the other side of the notch, and one line goes to Hunter, and the other line goes to uh, Haynes Falls and uh, Tannersville. And this line generates the majority of the passenger traffic. And it's standard gauged in 1899 because it outgrows the capacity of the three-foot narrow gauge. What happens is after the First World War, the state begins to improve the highways in, in the region, and it becomes accessible by private automobile. So it winds up the peak traffic year is actually 1913. During the 20s, it begins to really fall off at a dramatic rate. And then the depression hits, and the line up through the notch is abandoned in 1940. But passenger service continues on the main line between Kingston and Oneonta until 1954. Freight service continues until the end of September 1976. Phoenicia Station and the tracks to it went dormant until 1982, when the Catskill Mountain Railroad, a Kingston-based tourist train, moved up. The Empire State Railway Museum, founded two decades prior, made its home at Phoenicia Station in 1983. The museum was associated with the Catskill Mountain Railroad, and uh, they brought in revenue in the form of customers and um, it went through various uh, changes, the famous tube train, tubing operations. Harry Jameson in particular, town tinker, bought school buses and he transported his tubers instead of the train, picking them up and bringing them back. And then the Catskill Mountain Railroad went scenic and would run back and forth. And um, this all goes on until the 30-year permit that the railroad had with the county of Ulster because the county of Ulster owns this track. That expired and the permit to operate was given to the rail explorers. And we formed an association with rail explorers. They are the ones that bring in the majority of our visitors today. We profiled rail explorers, a pedal-powered rail bike operation in our last episode. They are using the track by permit, which they pay a hefty fee for to the county of Ulster. The land that their parking facilities are on is owned by the museum and, and they pay us a, a, a rent for that and it helps to keep us going. I would say 80 to 85 percent of our visitors are customers of Rail Explorers. Are you personally happy with the balance that's been struck on this line? I accept it because that's it's, it's what's keeping the rails here. Um, I, I don't want to get into the politics or even my own opinion about, you know, rail versus trail, but uh, no, uh, I accept it as, as uh, a reality and, and uh, it, it's helping, it's certainly helping the museum to keep going. As those old UND tracks continue to serve new and diverse populations of Catskills visitors, the 1899 Phoenicia Station is a well-preserved monument to their past, and the museum that inhabits that space 
offers visitors a unique glimpse into our collective railroad history. The Empire State Railway Museum is located on Lower High Street in Phoenicia, New York, and it's open weekends, Memorial Day through Columbus Day. This episode was recorded by Jared Lyman and written by Allison Aaron. For local history books, check out Briars and Brambles Books, the go-to independent book and gift store in the Catskills, located in Wyndham, New York, right next to the pharmacy, just steps away from the Wyndham Path. Open daily. For more information, visit briarsandbramblesbooks.com or call 518-750-8599. Thanks also to the Mountain Eagle. Cat's Cast is a production of Silver Hollow Audio. Please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and head on over to catscast.com for lots more. I'm Brett Barry. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again in two weeks.